0: Hello, and welcome to Northumberland Voices, the podcast from Northumberland Archives. My name is Jo March, and I'm one of the archivists at Northumberland Archives. Yet again, we've had a look through our fantastic collection of oral histories to bring you a little selection of what we think are some of the most interesting recordings. The recordings that we hold started in the 1970s, The county archivist then, Robin Gard, made it his mission to record the voices and experiences of people across the county and across the social spectrum. This is a recording from Tom Easton. Tom was recorded on a series of occasions by Robin Gard, the first of which in 1973. This was the second recording taken in that year, where Tom talks about his experience of the First World War. Tom was born in 1896 and lived for for most of his childhood in West Sleepburn. When he joined up into the army in 1915, he was sent to training at Annick with the Tyneside Scottish. He was shipped over to France in 1916 with the Tyneside Scottish and he was a signalman. Along with the rest of the brigade, Tom fought in the battles of the Somme and Arras, He was then captured by the Germans in April 1918 at Armentieres, and taken to Fort Macdonald, which was a prisoner of war camp, which was also known as the Black Hole of Lille. Tom was given the choice of working down the mines in Germany rather than staying at Fort Macdonald. This is his story.
1: What's the difference? What's it going to be? Uh, Starved to death and do nothing a like but go out and do something. So uh, we just went and we went to a place called Dullman on the plains just outside where the last treaty was uh, signed, I think. You know, you oh, know that's open that's, in, it? Uh, Holland and Germany. Oh. Uh, Dullman, they call it. It's a sandy plain. And what's that British camp built. Well, they kept me there for a bit, you see. I was inoculated, vaccinated, and everything. all in one week, you know. Quite, uh, you got the needles, hello <laughs> And then they cleaned you up. You went to see the MO. They took machines and uh, took every bit of hair from your body, it didn't matter where it was. And then you went into the baths and you were given clean clothes. And they were told that had to be the end of lice. This is factual, you know. Mm-hmm. And if you have any lice, you must report it to us. We had lice from four years before that. <laughs> know how to put them. <laughs> no man, we were shipped to. Uh, That's another strange fact. I was shipped to uh, a little place outside uh, Bramborough in Westphalia by train to a railhead and never had to walk. I think it'll be about four or five kilometres to Brambourg and that was about two o'clock on a Sunday afternoon. I've recorded this because I write all that down. Mm. I did write all that down then. And we're in the pit at ten o'clock at night. So that's how, that's how the organisation went. Mm. We're in the pit at ten o'clock at night, Mm. which was uh, and tribulation poets, you see. But uh, you walked you walked on two shifts Sunday that was 6am 2pm 2pm 10pm i each week you say but when you're on the 6am you went back again at 2pm on the Saturday and walked went back at 10pm on the Saturday night and you walked at 6am on the Sunday so in an event you walked 7 shifts in each week and uh, that went a lot of time i battered the pit heads. Slept in the cinema. And that was another point I put pit them, head baths, Oh yeah, that's another point I put in my colour of he mm-hmm. I said, how do you think they can employ putting us a war in German coal mines if and the facility to do so? There were pithead baths in those days. And the low ground level was entirely for female baths. Because they used female labour on the surface. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, Perhaps cold, but it, it was a pit head back. It was a huge hole, and uh, they had air right up in the top, you know. Everybody had a chain and a lock. You see, you had your own lock and that. It all depends on your number. And I was always a hundred and eight, and everything went by a hundred and eight, didn't go by your name. Lamp, fix, whatever you used, everything was a hundred and eight your tally to go down the pit and they had the tally system in me and I tell my people at the winning to start the tally system and uh, we uh, they gave you all chattels. you didn't have any socks you didn't have any vests because I never wore any you only had a what we call an engine man's jacket the blue jacket mm-hmm. and a pair of paper trousers there were paper trousers because we sit in many times and turned the stuff out and shield it out, and it was made of paper bound by thread. And the, the only mark of a, a prisoner wore had, he had one leg cut off and the other low. He had one bare leg up to here and the other low, and that was the identification even in the pit. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. He had one bare leg, eating. everybody knew he was a prisoner.
0: Here. Tom talks about the food in the prisoner of war camp and the fact that they ate quite well compared to the other prisoners and sometimes even their guards.
1: You got a postcard when you're a first-team prisoner which went to the New countries. You're enumerated you your war prisoner, who you were, what your resident was, and everything else. Well, within a month, you would have passed come from England directly addressed to you. So the Red Cross and the the Northumberland Prisoners of the Association and all that sort of thing. But you got food mm-hmm. from Born in Switzerland, Barley called it, mm-hmm. and that other place, Copenhagen, in 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 the north. This would all come in, in packets. Packed up, you know. And people talk about dried eggs now. We were using dried eggs then, nineteen nineteen. And then you say, the man, the, the 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 commandant of that place, would say there would be packets for us English. He would provide a poster which they call a, a guard a person and you go up with your handcart, and we at the railhead, and we took those parcels off ourselves. All that, though that good and clear, you took them out of the wagon yourself, put them on your handcarts and you brought them back to the prison of war camp to the place where we lived. then you were allowed to take certain things out with only one day's supply and all the rest went into a locker marked with your number now each day you would make an uh, application to the commandant for what you wanted for your next meal this was apart from theirs you see mm-hmm. we didn't need much the Germans for that Barley was a good thing, the, the, the table people from Barley. Yes. If, if Barley was on, we would eat it. But we fed the Russians. The Russians never got much, you see. They only got what they provided. There was no outside sources. The French got outside sources. They got high-core uh, beans and, and other things from France. Other countries got it, but you see, there was no representative government in Russia at that time. I only remember one parcel coming into that place for worship. Now, I've known uh, the old the officer from the Germans come and visit us on a Sunday morning. Where the men who came out of the pit on the Sunday morning at 6 o'clock well, were always coupled up with some men who are not at the pit. You see, the two shifts were coupled together. Now, we used to get up sharp and we would go down, we had our own stove, cooking stove. Apart from what the prison camp, because it was humble cool, it was a big, big, great big hot plate, and we'd set out and make our breakfast. We'd have English tea, we'd have bacon, we'd have eggs, we'd have porridge, and all that sort of thing, and we'd have these, what to feed the children on them, or rusks, you see. Mm-hmm. Well, all you did was make a small hole in, put it under the water top, and it was like new bread, mm-hmm. and we used to have it all set out. This German officer, he's the German officers, they're gone sky high, they're through the roof. And they used to shoot and the and got the dummy, and they've got more to eat than us, mm. smoking cigarettes, you know. These were all through the Red Cross. Yes.
0: In this part of the recording, Tom describes to Robin Guard what happened at the end of the war in November 1918 when the armistice was declared.
1: Well, just to tidy it up a bit uh, this would bring you into 1918 yes. um, and then uh, well, the armistice was signed and uh, were you uh, as it were released immediately? No uh, a good w- story to tell on that one And on, you, uh, uh, a week before you it was going to finish <laughs> well, you I do what happened there You didn't <laughs> have a hot line to Berlin did you? On no no I will tell you what happened there you see it was a question of people's control the people uh, revolted against the Kaisership yes. and they took over control. Now a week before this armistice was signed this is how it was conveyed to the put the war mind we used to go to Mangadi, Englishmen could get dressed up, we were sent a proper uniform uh, and we could get dressed up and the light to see us dressed up so they said well right we shall take you over to Mangadie this afternoon to the bogus which was a home for retired workers, which carried all the welfare facilities within it even to a church and uh, they said if you want to go to church you can go to church you see so they took us on, on uh, the coal company's railway from Bampard to Mengedes We went into this place and it was a week before the armistice and he was a, an English speaking German priest that gave the sermon. And in that sermon, he told us that you would only have another week to sow because we are going to take over control and explain all what was going to happen. And it happened precisely the next Monday morning. There was a red flag on the on the pulley wheels, and uh, we were finished. When you are not going down the pit anymore, you are finished. And, you mean, tell you what, what you right. and he said, well, just be patient, we'll take you out, but you can go if you like. If you want to wander, and go, you can go if you like, but if you just be patient, we'll say to the matter and we'll arrange it. And I was taken from the pot to the Holland border, and then I was taken down to Wenchidi in Holland, where I spent a week they took them putting us out that way to mm-hmm. to Holland and I came via Rotterdam to hold. Yeah. they treated you better because you were in a sense workman weren't you you were like the Yeah. oh and, no and when we got to uh, the docks at Rotterdam the army the navy and everybody was in full swing we had to divest ourselves of all German clothing we had been using and uh, we got all new uniforms
0: Thank you very much for listening to this episode of Northumberland Voices. We hope that you enjoyed listening to Tom's story and that you'll join us again to listen to more Northumberland Voices. Thank you. Bye.